Good morning, New Spring family. Come on, if you put your hands together, put them together, right? In fact, let's just take a couple of seconds to put our hands together for King Jesus this morning. Come on. He gave us another day. He made it. It's full of new mercies. I've got breath in my lungs. I've got God on my side. Come on, today is going to be a good day. Turn to your neighbor and let them know it's going to be a good day. Come on, you're looking good, you're smelling good. It's gonna be a good day, 9.15 gathering on all of our campuses. If you're jumping in online, we want you to know that we love you and we are so glad that you took time out of your busy weeks to worship God with us, uh, your New Spring family, bringing glory to his name. My name is Dan Leanne. I'm one of the teaching team here at New Spring Church and I love, 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 love you. Everyone uh, survived the weekend okay? Everyone's like kind of now... Yes, you got your sleep back, all the host homes, the, the, the smell is out of the, the house now. All, all the people who had host homes with middle school boys in it, like it kind of smelt like axe and armpit and Jesus, you know what I'm saying? All just mushed up in those homes. We are so grateful uh, that so many people lent in and jumped in on a beautiful mission to see the next generation, our young people, impacted by the the reality and the beauty of Jesus. We're a church that cares about the future, amen? We're, we're, we're a church that wants to leave a life-giving legacy. And that's the reason we've been in a series over the last couple of weeks talking about legacy. Legacy is literally just the kind of life you leave behind. And we're trying to challenge people, young and old, to live their life in such a way that you leave a life-giving life Behind. You know what I'm saying? There are some people who you think about, who have passed, who you don't think highly of. They were a mean so-and-so or a stingy so-and-so. We don't want to leave that kind of legacy. We all know people in our lives who left life behind. They left joy behind, faith behind. They left a deep sense of peace behind. We want to be that kind of people. That's the reason we've been talking about legacy over the last couple of weeks. I've been thinking so much more about my legacy lately because primarily I'm getting old, like real old. I know that I don't look old, but I feel old. Uh, I look in the mirror and I see that the wrinkles are getting thicker and the hair is getting thinner. I'm feeling old. I look at my 18-year-old daughter who goes off to college in two weeks' time. That's right. Jesus is going to be back in two weeks' time. We made a deal at the beginning of my ministry that he would come in the clouds before I had to say goodbye to one of my children heading off to college. I felt that, that Jesus made that deal. He sold it on his promise. So everyone, you have about two weeks left to enjoy this earth before we step into a new heaven and a new earth. My daughter is heading off to college, and I'm finding myself a little bit emotional. Every single time I look at her, I feel like I want to cry, you know what I'm saying? So I do the whole kind of this thing, trying like, hopefully gravity will help. I start fanning, it, it makes it worse, you know what I'm saying? My, my son is now a whole head taller than I am. I remember when I could pick my son and throw him up in the air, and, and now when I hug him, my arms go underneath his sweaty armpits, and I feel so small. I, I look at my wife, and we've been married nearly 25 years. That's a significant, and what's the 25th anniversary? What, what's, what's that one? Gucci bag, it's a Gucci bag anniversary apparently, Miss Donna told me. So luxury bags coming your way, my love. We've been married 25 years. Um, I went to my first over 45 year old man's doctor visit, if you know what I mean, like kind of like it's, 
Things are, dude, things are different. When you get to 45, I, I'm getting old, and for all of y'all laughing at me, you're getting old too. <laughs> and that's the reason I've been thinking a lot about my legacy, the kind of life that I'm living, the days I've been given. I'm asking the question, what am I doing with these days that have been apportioned to me? And how will my life resonate after I'm gone? How am I living in such a way that I am leaving life when I leave? The Bible makes it clear it's good for all of us, say all of us, to think more about our life. It's not a morbid kind of concept. It's not a depressing kind of a situation. It is actually a very life-giving and encouraging exercise to do to think about your life and how limited our days are. That's the reason in the book of Psalm 39 and verse four, the psalmist is declaring, hey, show me, Lord, my life's end. Or in other words, wake me up, God, to this reality that I'm not gonna be here forever. I I feel indestructible. I feel like I can afford to waste a couple of days, a couple of months, a couple of years, and then come back and make something of my life, but don't allow me to do that, God. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting life is. The Bible is making it clear. It is important for us as a faith community to number our days and to know that you are only given a certain number of days and what you do with these days is gonna determine the life you leave when you leave. Live a life of life-giving legacy. Lord God, teach me to number my days. So we're gonna do that this morning. Hey, hey, where are all the people around the, the kind of 20-year age mark? kind of 18, 19, 20, 21, well, you all have lived about 7,000 days up to this point, okay? Which means you've got, you've got about 20,000 20, left. The average human being lives 27,375 days. You've lived 7,000 of them. You've got about 20,000 left, okay? Now, you think that's a long time, but trust me, it feels like yesterday when I was your age. You know what I'm saying? I'm at college living off ramen and Pop-Tarts. You think that these days are gonna go forever? Trust me, blink your eyes and life goes by quick. Hey, where are the 45, 46-year-olds in the room? Come on, put your hands up on every single campus. You're like me, that's my vintage, all right? We've lived about 16,500 days. Okay, do the math. That's about 10,000, 11,000 days left. Or in other words, We've got less days ahead of us than we do behind us. What are you doing with every single day? Hey, where are my 65-year-olds at? Come on, where are the, 60, the, 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 the legends, the OG of that generation, 65? Okay, you've lived about nearly 24,000 days. 27,375 minus 24,000 means let's get living, you know what I'm saying? Make the most of every single day, leave a life-giving legacy for the generations to come. It's our charge, it's our opportunity today to make a decision to say, you know what? The days I'm given, I'm going to live for the glory of God. 
and that will resonate throughout time. My children and my children's children are going to walk a straighter path of faith and life because of the decisions that I make coming out of this series all about legacy. So here's the question. Okay, cool, Dan. Thank you for that math lesson. Okay, big guy who obviously does a lot of upper body work, but not as much on his lower body. Okay, you tell me. How do I live my life in such a way that leaves the kind of legacy my children and my children's children will thank me for? Hey, hey, Dan, okay, cool. I'm a college student right now, and I'm not really thinking about the end of my life yet. Thanks a lot for like kind of killing the mood, Dan, but the reality is life does go by quick. Like, I'm eating ramen and Pop-Tarts today, but I can remember the days when I was, like, drinking juice boxes and eating Lunchables, you know what I'm saying? Like, time goes fast. How do I live my life in such a way that I leave a life-giving legacy? Well, I want to turn your attention to a portion of Scripture. If you've got your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4? And this is the Apostle Paul thinking about the life he lived at the end of it. Now, Paul has lived an adventurous life, raised a religious Pharisee. He was blown away by the glory of God, and he was knocked down by the light that he experienced in Jesus, and that opened up his eyes to his purpose and to his destiny. He would begin to travel and preach the gospel, the good news, and he found people like you and me, people who weren't born in the Jewish race as his primary audience. He would plant churches and encourage churches. He would get arrested multiple times. He was shipwrecked a couple of times. This guy lived a full life. By the end of his life, he was asking the question, we'll all ask at some point, did we do with our life what God intended? What kind of legacy am I leaving? And thankfully, the apostle Paul could speak to that question. And with total confidence, and I speak this out in the name of Jesus, in our New Spring family, we're gonna be known for being able to give a positive answer to that question. He lived a life of legacy. Come on, we will too. And here in these couple of verses, 2 Timothy chapter four, verses six and seven, he talks about how he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that he lived his 27,375 days for the glory of God in such a way that left a legacy for his spiritual children and his spiritual children's children. You'll read it here. The Bible says, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. Or in other words, this is it. We're returning our seats back to the upright position. We're storing away our tray tables We're coming in for a landing. No longer am I talking about myself as an apostle, someone who is a missionary, someone who is a co-heir with Christ or a servant of the kingdom. Now I'm but a drink offering, a splash of wine being thrown out on an altar. I'll be here today, I'll be evaporated and forgotten tomorrow. But that's all good because I lived my life in a God-glorifying, legacy-leaving kind of way. See, my time for departure is near. But he knows this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept 
the faith. All I want you to get today is if you want to make a decision coming out of this Sunday to live a life that leaves a legacy that is defined by life-giving power, fight the good fight, run your race, and keep the faith. If you're writing down notes, you can pull out your leather-bound journals and your pens right now, iPods, iPads, iPhones, Google devices, Samsung devices, if you have a little tattoo gun and some spare space on your thigh, these are three good concepts to get deep inside of your soul if you want to leave a legacy. Come on, we're going to fight the good fight, we're going to run our race, and we're going to keep the faith. First one, write that one down. Fight the good fight. Paul was going to rest easy because he knew he fought the good fight. Paul had total confidence that he left a life-giving legacy because as he looked in the mirror, he could see the scars of one who fought the good fight. You're gonna fight every day. You're gonna fight against a boss. You're gonna fight against a spouse. You're gonna fight against cultural tides and currents. You're gonna fight against market pressures and supply chain issues. You're gonna fight every day. Here's the question that you need to answer. What kind of fight are you fighting? Because he's saying, I fought the good fight. The word good in the Bible is just synonymous for the word God. Or in other words, I fought the God fight. I use my days to step into the arena and to advance the kingdom of God. I fought the God fight. What are you fighting today? Who are you fighting today? And are you fighting the God fight? A couple of years back, I walked up to the top of Table Rock. Uh, It's like a little mountain kind of situation. I think it's one of the highest points in the upstate. And in general, I don't like mountain climbing, but the night before, I was at a fundraiser for an amazing organization called Seal Future Foundation. Uh, Phil Walpole, Carla Walpole, some staff with us. Um, Phil brought the chapter out to South Carolina, so there were a bunch of returning Navy SEALs trying to get acclimated into work opportunities, getting acclimated into community. And, and so we're at this cool fundraising dinner, and, and I'm chatting at this table with five or six Navy SEALs, and they tell me, hey, Dan, we're going to go scale this mountain tomorrow. You should come. I'm not going, I don't do much cardio. I don't like climbing up hills, you know what I'm saying? I'm more like a two-minute two on a treadmill before I work out kind of guy. And he's like, no, no, you got to come up. And they went about to bully me to make sure that I showed up. The, I'm telling you, if you being bullied by five or six Navy SEALs, it's an intimidating situation. So the next morning, I'm there, and, and I'm standing in this parking lot going, okay, let's do it. So we went up, and most of the guys just ran up the hill. But I had one older guy stay back with me. His name was John. He was a buds instructor, and he kind of kept pace with me. And, and eventually, after a couple of hours, we got to the top of the mountain. When we got to the top of the mountain, I noticed my friend John pull up like the, his pants leg, and I saw this crazy, gnarly scar all the way down his ankle. I went, whoa, what's that? He goes, oh, yeah, I, I got my, um, uh, I, I broke my foot in a, in a parachute jump, and they, they did some surgery, but it got infected. So they basically had to cut out half of my muscle. I said, did, did that hurt? He goes, of course it hurt. But, 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 but it wouldn't kill me, so I just kept on going. So, okay, cool. That's a, it, it, 
And then another guy kind of jumped in and said, hey, you want to see my scar? And then he, he pulls down his shirt, and there's this crazy gnarly scar from the back of his ear all the way down to his clavicle. And I said, how'd you do that? He said, we, we were doing a forced entry with an explosion. Some shrapnel came out and cut my trap in half. And then they asked me the question, hey, Dan, do you have any scars? <laughs> I said, I got one scar on my knee because I was like rocking on some friends, like outdoor furniture during a cookout. <laughs> And it broke, and it kind of, <laughs> one day you're going to find yourself in eternity, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, men and women called by Jesus' name, filled with his spirit, washed in his blood, called to his purpose, and you're going to have to give an account for the scars that you bear. And I don't want to be the guy going, you know what, I got this scar, I spent my entire life trying to hit this certain number in my bank account. My entire life, that's what I did my whole life. It's all about a bank account. Hey, you know what? I got this scar because I fought with everybody about this opinion about life and this view that I have, and I just fought everybody, and I made sure people understood that they were dumb and I was smart and that I was right and they were wrong. You know, I spent my entire life doing that. Hey, for some younger people, you know what? I spent my entire life trying to become TikTok famous or basically grow my YouTube channel, and, and, and I, I kind of got such a following. I became an influencer. So many people know who I am. Like, one day... You're going to find yourself comparing battle scars. Just make sure that when you find yourself being asked that question, hey, do you have any cool scars? He said, yeah. This is my scar from when I made a decision in my late 50s to kind of say, you know what? Me and my wife have been married a bunch of years, but we want to spend our life trying to invest in younger marriages and make sure that more young people make it through to kind of our age, still married in the light of what's happening in society right now. Hey, you know what? Yeah, I got this scar. I spent my life advancing the kingdom of God in my workplace every single day, trying to shine light and show love and share the gospel of Jesus. Hey, 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 Dan, you gotta check out this gnarly scar. This is the time that I finally went on that mission trip with my wife, and it was scary because we haven't been away from, you know, the... the the upstate, let alone the United States. And, but, but we went and, and it was so eye-opening and it kind of set us on a course to spend the rest of our years trying to show the love of Jesus into places that, you know what I'm saying? Be the person, come on, with a cool scar one day. I fought the good fight. Number two, write this one down. Not only did Paul fight the good fight, he ran the race. He finished his race. I need you to turn to your neighbor on every single camp and say, hey, you need to run your race. You gotta run your race. I can't run your race. The person you just talk, talk, like basically spoke to, they can't run your race. You need to run your race. That's the reason the Bible says here in 2 Timothy chapter four, not only did he fight the good fight, he, fought, he finished the race. He ran his race. Let me blow your mind for a second. The God of this universe has marked out a race for each and every single one of you. Danny Bear, before the creation of the heavens and the earth, he had you in mind. And he set a course for you to run. Now, now you're gonna have encouragement along the way and you're gonna find friends along the way and you're gonna help others in their race along the way, but ultimately it is your responsibility to run your race by his grace and for his glory. And my friend, you're doing a great job. 
in the highs, in the lows, in the ups, in the downs, in the twists and the turns, in the wins and the losses, you're running your race. And by the grace of God, may that be spoken of me one day. Come on, I ran my race. Uh, my, my son did a, a season of track last year. He, he's such an adventurous little guy. He tried to play football like one season, but it, it's really hot and he's never played football before. So that was a little bit of a struggle. So I said, hey, try track. So he went and signed up for the track team and all the cool events were already taken. The only ones that were left were the 400 meter hurdles, all right? That's a rough event, okay? He's never jumped a hurdle in his life. And so it's like, all right, but maybe he's like naturally gifted. So I'm hoping, so he's doing like kind of practice and training and it comes to the first meet. Christian and I are going. I'm thinking to myself on the drive there, maybe he's like a prodigy. Like this is like, an un, like a hidden skill he's got. He might run in the Olympics. This might be like a crazy Disney kind of situation going on here. So we get there, it comes to his race, bang, he runs and he's winning after 100 meters. He's like clearing the hurdles by about three feet. He's like, so, but he's, he's running as far. I, I'm thinking to myself, this is it. He is a prodigy. This guy's a freak. He's gonna get himself a college ride. I'm gonna not have to pay for college. This is amazing. By the 200 mark, everyone had caught up. By the time everyone else was at the 300 mark, he was still kind of around the 200 mark. And I think to myself, okay, maybe, okay, maybe I do have to you know, keep on saving for college. And, and as, as he's trying to finish the race, he starts like running into these hurdles, like not like clipping them, I'm talking about slamming into these hurdles. And the whole time, I'm standing on my feet and I'm just yelling to my son, buddy, we love you, just finish the race. Just finish the race. He gets across the line. I go down to the area where all the young men have finished their race. And I went up to him and he was a little bit sad. It was his first time ever doing this. And he finished nearer to the back of the pack. And he was sad because he felt like he wanted to do better and he felt like he let us down. But I told him, son, like you did not quit. You didn't worry about anyone else and how fast they were running. You didn't find yourself comparing yourself to the other kids who were doing maybe better at the back end. of You finished your race. I want you to get this deep into your spirit that you have a father God who loves you enough to wake up really, really early before you even took a step on this earth to mark out a race for you to run and he's yelling at you one thing and one thing alone. You finish your race. I know you've been through a lot. I know many things try to take you out of this race. I know there are times where you feel disqualified from running this race. I know for me, I often look in the mirror and I feel unworthy to be even be in a race. But Father is yelling at you with a big smile on his face. You finish your race. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good work which he prepared in advance for you to do. You finish your race race. Come on, smile. That's really good news. That means not one person in this room doesn't have a purpose. That means not one person in one of our campuses doesn't have a gift or a grace to bring to the table, to bring glory to God's name and an extension to his kingdom. All of us have an opportunity today to say, I'm going to run my race. Come on, turn to your neighbor and just let them know, I'm going to run my race. I'm going to run my race. I'm gonna finish my race. Thirdly and lastly, not only am I gonna fight the good fight, not only am I gonna run the race, I'm going to keep 
the faith. I love how here Paul, at the end of his life, he's like going, I kept the faith. I find, at least in my life, it's really easy to get off to a hot start and then to cool down as life unfolds. I remember when I started following Jesus in like my freshman year of college, I was that wild, crazy guy who put a big cross around his neck and I was trying to tell everyone about this Jesus guy that I met. I know it sounds crazy, but he's alive. He lived 2,000 years ago, you heard the stories, but dude rose again and he lives today. I met him and you can meet him too. I was that guy. I was the guy who was saying, you know what, I'm studying economics and accounting so I can go work for my father who owns an accounting firm. It seems like a really natural transition, but I wasn't gonna spend the rest of my life counting other people's money. I was gonna spend the rest of my life plundering hell and populating heaven, so I got about it. So my entire journey when I got married at 21 with Krista was we're gonna go on a faith adventure. But it's amazing how as you grow older, you have a proclivity to wanna live more comfortable. And I'm kinda like, I wanna do great things for the glory of God as long as it like kind of includes like a lazy boy that I can sit in and kind of rest, you know what I'm saying? But here Paul's saying, Even to the end of my life, I kept in faith. I'm walking on water. I'm leaping off the cliff. I'm making perilous decisions for the glory of God right to the end. Come on, we need to learn how to keep the faith. Are you living more faithful now, older man of God, than you did a couple of years ago? Come on, you got off to a hot start, but right now with a couple of young kids and a full-time job, have you put your faith journey on hiatus? Come on, keep the faith. We say it all the time, we wanna be a church where everyone everywhere has an everyday relationship with Jesus. We say it all the time, we're like a broken record. Why do we say it all the time? Because when you eventually say, I can't handle this again, that's when it starts going in. Everyone, everywhere in an everyday relationship with Jesus. Let me ask you this question. What do you think that looks like? If you did an everyday walk with Jesus, what would your faith look like? If you spent every day with Jesus in your ear, what would your daily decisions look like? What would your workplace look like? What would your, your choices look like if you did an everyday relationship with Jesus? I think that if you did an everyday relationship with Jesus, you would live life in faith. You'd be stepping out every day. You'd be living courageously every day. Come on, you'd be marked by bravery every single day because Jesus is that kind of guy. You ever have one of those friends, the do it friend? You know what I'm saying? College young man kind of growing up, the guy who's like, you know, hang out with your buddies. And hey, hey, do you reckon I can drink a whole gallon of milk? Yeah, do it. Go on, do it. Hey, do you reckon I can jump from this side of the cliff to that side of the cliff? Yeah, do it, do it. Hey, do you think we can build a jump on our land and see if we can jump this truck over this hay? Do it, do it. You gotta understand that Jesus, if you do an everyday relationship with him, he's the do it guy. He will never ever say to you, you know what, you've done enough, chill. He'll never say, you know what, that's really, really dangerous. Don't risk it now, he's the do it guy. He's that voice 
When you walk into a New Spring campus on a Sunday morning and you see a bunch of people in like a classroom setting behind glass walls, and you go, what is that? Oh, that's connect. That's, that's the way people learn about the mission of this church and understand their gifts and work out how to engage and how to be a part of a kingdom extending work. And you hear this voice in your head, I should really go in there and jump in and learn how I can get more and more engaged. But you go, you know what? That's gonna get into my calendar and get into my business. Jesus is the voice going, do it. Go and do it. At some point in every single gathering, there's someone who will get up onto a stage and challenge us us about finances and what we're doing with our treasure. And I do the same thing you do. I kind of clench really tight, hold my breath, and hope it goes past really quick because money means a lot to me, and I don't like people messing with my money. But then the Holy Spirit will start speaking to me. Hey, Dan, you got to make sure that Jesus is number one in your life. And if you can't have Jesus as number one in your finances, he's number one in nothing in your life. Come on, do it. Do it. Give so tight. Come on, he's the voice that says, you know what, here's a missions trip, and I've talked about it for so many years and we've dreamt about serving in South or Central America, going to Asia, visiting Europe. We've wanted to do it, but we keep talking ourselves out of it. Jesus in an everyday relationship is the one who's going, come on, do it, do it. I fought the fight. I ran my race and I kept the faith. No spiritual lazy boys here. I'm swinging on a broken deck chair in someone's backyard during the cookout, but I'm ready to go. Responding to the voice of Jesus, do it, do it. I don't, I don't know what the feeling is like in every single campus right now. Let me describe the feeling here in the 915 gathering in Anderson. I sense that everyone in here in this room is going, you know what, you're 100% right. But this is gonna cost a lot. Why are you trying to mess with my cruise control? It's set just right. I'm going fast enough to finish off the journey and to do it in the most economical way. But so compelled by the Holy Spirit, I wanna lovingly get in your face and let you know that this life thing goes by real quick. What kind of legacy are you really leaving? No, no, uh, after our funerals and everyone gets dressed up in black and says nice things about us, what are they really gonna say about us a month after that? Did you fight the good fight? Did you actually run your race? Did you actually grow in your wildness in faith, not shrink in it? And I've been challenged by that this week. On Tuesday night, I'm driving home and, and uh, my dad calls me. And, and uh, he's gone through crazy lockdown and now they're out and they're trying to get back into some kind of rhythm of life. And my father, 73 years of age, calls me and says, son, I wanna let you know, God's been doing a lot of big stuff in my heart over the last couple of years. And next year, your mother and I are gonna spend a year in Northern Thailand serving churches. You go, really? 
Like, you got a really nice house, a really cool car, you got a golf membership to a couple of cool country clubs, and you're going to, you're going to pack everything up and go. And he's saying, you know what? The last couple of years have shown me something. I've only got a couple of years left. So yep, me and Ma, we're going to go to northern Thailand. We've already invested into a bunch of churches and into a Bible school there. We're going to go, and I'm going to teach in a Bible school, and I'm going to go see if I can plant a few churches. And I just told him, Dad, it's funny that you make this phone call now. I'm going to be talking about this kind of stuff this weekend. Thank you for writing a story that we're going to tell the grandkids and their kids one day. You fought the good fight. You're running your race. And you're growing in your faith. Take a breath, blink your eyes, and you're gonna find yourself swinging on a rocking chair one day. And you're gonna have a grandkid asking you, hey, granddad, tell me a faith story. Don't have nothing to tell. Fight the fight. Come on, run the race. Come on, keep the So as we wrap up our time, I want to do something. On every single campus, I would just like you to close your eyes. I want to ask you one simple question, and then I want to pray with you. And then we're going to move into a time of ministry, of people praying with you in person, of worshiping God in song. But with every eye closed and no one looking around on every single campus, If you know that you are in a position right now, young man, young woman, not so young man, not so young woman, if you know you're in a spot right now where you're not running your race, in fact, you found yourself kind of checked out from your race, disengaged from all the wild things that Jesus wants to bring you into. And you know that today was meant to be a wake-up call for you. If that's you, I would love to simply just knit faith with you in these few next sacred moments. And I just wanna pray with you. And just believe that as the Holy Spirit has provoked you this morning, it'll leave you marked by His presence. And in the next couple of days, you're gonna find yourself with an opportunity to fight a God fight, to start running again, to keep the faith. So with every eye closed and no one looking around, if you're saying, Dan, this morning was a wake-up call for me, could you just lift your hand where you are on every single, in every single campus? Come on, hands going up, it's high. Come on, it's early in the morning, the deodorant is strong right now. Come on, it's holding. It's high in the sky. So right now, Jesus, you see these hands lifted. You tell us where two or three agree on anything, something happens. So right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would arrest these hearts and leave them with their next step. I pray in the next couple of moments, as shepherds come out in every single room to steward this response, I pray that you would leave us in the most real and profound way, change. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm gonna invite everyone to stand to their feet. Go on, stand up to your feet. Stand up to your feet. Hey, I want you to turn around to everyone. I want you to high five someone. Hey, you know what?
We gotta fight the God fight. Come on, we gotta fight this God fight. We're leaving a legacy. All right, here we go. On every single campus, what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna sing a song and it's called Be Enthroned. But I'm gonna challenge you. If you know that right now, Jesus isn't really that enthroned, that you're kind of doing your own thing, fighting your own fight, checked out from his race. If that's you, I would encourage you to take some time to reflect on whether or not you can sing these words with honesty and integrity. For other people, if you lifted your hand, you're saying, you know what? I am sick and tired of hearing another message, making a response, walking away feeling good, heading off to crack a barrel, grabbing a couple of pancakes, eating some Sunday chicken, and nothing changes. If you're saying, you know what, Dan, I want this to be, come on, my turning point. We're gonna have ministry teams in every single room, and I would encourage you to slip out of your seat and to look someone in the face and have them pray with you. And they might even be able to talk with you about your next step. Is that cool? So we're gonna worship God and some of y'all are gonna move. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father God, we trust you. Holy Spirit, seal this word in our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everyone who's gonna leave a life-giving legacy said, Amen. Amen.